You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hooray! Who's happy to be here? I'm super pumped. We're going on holidays for three weeks, so I've got this like one, one chance to just really download something good. All right? So we just pray now that I don't stuff it. No, just kidding. We're not going to pray that because it's going to be awesome. Um, how good was the Spring Family Festival? We had uh, approximately 300 people from the community come on site. So that was really great. That was really good. It was a really real success. It was great. It was a good day. All right. We are finishing off our series called Full House today. And we're going to be talking about the environment in your home, right? The environment, the atmosphere, the culture that's in your house. Everybody contributes to that culture, right? And this is gonna be applicable if you're single or you've got so many children you forget all their names, (laughs) all right? You know know how your mom always, you know, got your name right on the fourth go? Does your, did your mum ever do that? My mum does that. She's like, uh, Yvette, oh, Glenn, oh, what's your name again? Darren. And I'm like, yeah, I've been around for a while. Like, I've been here for like 41 years now. Could you get it right? That'd be good. Um, because uh, what I've discovered is that there's no manual for family. There's no manual for marriage and there's no manual for parenting. But what we can do is we can read the Word of God and we can absorb truth that helps us to set the right culture, right? Because a lot of people kind of, you know, yeah, anybody can have a child. Well, you know, some people can't have children, but, you know, it doesn't take a lot to have a baby, but no one teaches you what to do with that baby. No one teaches you how to raise an adult, okay? Parents, you're not raising children. You're raising future adults, right? That's, that's, that's what I've come to realise and it only took me, you know, what, 14 years to realise that. Uh, so I want to speak from a tiny little bit of experience and a tiny little bit of wisdom and a lot of work to do, all right? So I'm preaching to myself here as well because I know that I need to work on the culture in our home, right? The culture in our home. So I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. And we're going to start, we're going to hang around in Proverbs, the end of Proverbs today. And then next week, we start a brand new series called Life Hack. And you're going to love it. It's all about wisdom and growth and understanding and clarity and insight. It's going to be really good. So I am starting off today in Proverbs chapter 21. And I'm going to start off with a pretty hairy scripture. All right. You all happy with that? Two people are happy with that, good. Uh, In Proverbs 21 verse nine, it says, better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. (laughs) I, I I just thought I'd start real strong here today. With this word, okay, I'm not taking a dig on the women because, because of what I'm about to share, all right? But, but this is talking about the culture that's in the house. There's a culture of disagreement. There's a culture of disunity in this home. Maybe there's not enough forgiveness that's been taken place. Maybe people can't overlook a sin. Maybe they can't, as, as, as Beck was talking about earlier, they can't bear with each other. Sometimes you just got to bear with the person you chose to marry or the person who bore you as a child, right? Sometimes you just got to bear with the person as they go through their stuff 
So they need to bear with you as you go through yours, right? This is talking more about the culture that's in the home, I think, than just one person, all right? Seems like no one's throwing kindness around like confetti in this home. I love that, I love that statement. Throw kindness around like confetti, which is all good when things are great and you're like, yeah, throw kindness around like confetti. But when you're really going through a tough spot, you're like, flipping kindness, what is that? Like confetti, get, get out, get out, right. So Proverbs 31, now this is where I'm gonna, I'm gonna really lift up you women, you ladies, right? Check this out, Proverbs 31, verse 27. This is awesome, I love the Proverbs 31 woman and what it's describing here. And it says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Wow, she's watching over. She sees what's taking place, you right? We're seeing the culture that we're establishing in our home and we're not idle. We're not just letting the culture ferment, right? We're not just letting the culture be influenced by a lot of, a lot of other things. I remember as a kid in science, they gave us these, these Petri dishes. You know, you remember Petri dishes in science, right? And, and, and we had to put some cotton balls in there, some cotton wool, and then we had to put seeds in each one of them. And then we had to measure, at, like depending on what we added to the, each, each one of the three dishes, we had to measure how quick all the seeds were growing and at what rate over a period of weeks and weeks and weeks. And we had to document it down. And this is how fast this one. Now I only use purified water on this one here, but every week, I don't know, I can't remember what I did, but let's say I added a drop of Coca-Cola to this one. That's not doing so well. But the, 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 the water one is going fine. The purified one is going bananas. And the, the, the Coke one in the middle, eh, it's, not, it's not really happening so well. Right, So there's a culture in each one of those Petri dishes and it depends on what we add and it depends on what we take out. It depends on what we, what we decide to do inside the culture of our home that, to, that, that determines the health and the possibility for growth in our family. All right, so culture is really, really important. I love that this, this woman is watching over the affairs of her household. She's like, how's it going? She's continually assessing, what's the culture like in my home? How is it, how's it going? Are we going on the, uh, what's the trajectory of the culture? Where are we going with it? She's intentional. She's active in setting the right tone, in setting the right culture. What's the tone in your home? What's the culture in your house? when the neighbours come round or your friends pop over or, or the kids come back from school or, you know, what, what, what's, what's the, the culture that people are stepping into? And then what do you want it to be? And what's the pathway to get there? And what verses is God speaking to you to get it there? Right? Is it like, is there a lot of angst? Is there a lot of stuff going on in your house? Is, is frustration normal? Are, are tears normal? Right? What's normal? Laughter? Is connection or isolation part of the culture? Are we fixing up my mic? You're amazing.
Here we go. Here we go. And we're back. So today, I want to talk about how to create a kingdom culture in your house. I've got one message to finish off this, this whole series, and this is what we're going to tackle. So, all right, let's do it. All right? Because the, the, a kingdom culture is a culture where we not only all thrive, we're not, we're not only just growing and we're connected, but also God is glorified. And I think if we just want to create a culture where people are growing, that's noble and honourable. But we also have to ask the question, is God glorified in my house? Like that's got to be one of the, 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 the biggest qualifiers of what we're establishing in our homes. Is God glorified here? Right? Let's talk about a kingdom culture. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom, right? So let me tell you, let me just describe to you, and this is just my thoughts on it right now, what a kingdom culture looks like. Can we bring up that next slide? The kingdom culture is a place of freedom, of joy, of life, it's where forgiveness fl- flows. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. It's a place of love and connection, a place of kindness. We always say to our kids, kindness costs you nothing. Costs you nothing to be kind right now. Sometimes Beck tells me that. Great. What about a place of generosity? A place where we serve each other. We laid in our lives for each other. A place of worship. I'm not just talking about worship music, all right? You know, you can't generate a kingdom culture by just putting on worship music every day. It's great, it's powerful, it'll help, but it's not going to turn the tide of a thousand bad decisions. <laughs> all right? All right? We have, to, we have to be in alignment with the Father and listening and keeping in step with the Spirit to create the kind of culture that we need in our homes. What about one of obedience, relationship, empowering and maturing, one of safety and security? Obviously, we can't unpack all this today, but maybe, maybe I don't know, this is kind of a, a, good, a good vision. Maybe it's kind of something that you can talk about with your spouse. You can take a photo of this, you know, you can do it right now if you need to. Get a, get a snapshot of that and be like, where are we going? Where are we going? I find uh, a, lot of, a lot of parents are so overwhelmed with life. A lot of husbands and wives, a lot of people, a lot of young adults are so overwhelmed with life that they don't have a vision for their life and they don't have a vision for what they want to create. And I think this is a good stepping point. Anyway, just a thought, just a thought. Um, so we need to watch over the culture of our home. What are, we, what are we adding to the culture? Because what you watch will add to the culture. What you say will add to the culture. How you, how you parent or how you love or don't love will add to the culture. What are you adding and what are you pulling out? Because we want a culture that in our homes where everyone's thriving, everyone's prospering in their spirit, right, in their soul, their body, 
with each other, but also the, a place where God is glorified. All right, so I've, I've just got three, three points here to establish a kingdom culture in our homes. Number one, and I'm, I'm going to rock a few boats. Is that all right? Do you give me permission to, 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 to tamper with your, uh, with your ideas at the moment? Is that all right? Uh, again, like just take this and just mull, it, mull on it, you know, just kind of think about it, just kind of, hmm, interesting. Don't agree with that guy. I don't know. Maybe it'll help. Number one uh, is that we need to think relationally, all right? Because rules and religion can often and easily be established in the home as of primary importance, all right? I'm not sure where you grow up, but in some, in some homes, uh, being, doing the right thing is more important than being connected to the people that, that you live with. But relationship needs to be a first priority, okay? Often there can be this culture in the home that if I break a rule, I'm no longer loved or I'm less loved. Anyone ever feel like that? I don't want that culture in my home. I want, I want the culture in my house that if you break a rule, there's consequence, but the love doesn't change because that's how the Father treats us, right? Proverbs 14 verse 1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. So you can be intentional or you can be unintentional, right? But with your own hands, you can either build or you can destroy, with your words, you can build or you can tear down. So we've got to prioritise relationship and connection with, the, with those in our homes, right? Above a rule or a principle. Like when one, when one of our kids says or does something like that's, you know, you, you really shouldn't have done that. Like you can't, you can't say that or you can't do that. What we need to do is we need to, or even our spouse, we need to correct the action without losing the relationship, right? They're two separate things. We, we lump them into the same category because I'm hurt and you've offended me, but I actually need to adjust the, the action while maintaining the love. That's, that's easier said than done. It really is, right? You know, like uh, you can't hit your brother. You, we, we don't do that. Violence is not how we deal with stuff in our home. And Beck will be like, Did you, have you ever seen dad hit me? And the kids will be like, no. All right, so we don't, that's not the way we do things around here, right? Culture is the way you do things around here, right? So you go, well, that's not how we do it. Violence is not okay. If you were 10 years older, you'd be in prison right now. We, we like to throw those, those scary things out sometimes, you know. So what we do is we deal with the action and then we frame it in relationship. So we deal with the action. You can't be violent. That's not how we do things. How's that going to affect your relationship with them? So we deal with the problem and then we talk about it in terms of relationship. All right? The other thing is that we, we're always trying to model in our home, that relationship with God is normal. It's natural. It's just, it's just how we do it. It's how life is meant to be lived, right? Relationship with God, 
That's just how we do it. That's how it's, that's how it's meant to be, right? You and I, I could go into Genesis 1.26, right? And I could prove to you that you were created for a relationship with God, right? Relationship with God is normal. I never, we never want to uh, model or encourage or, uh, a, a culture where relationship with God is situational, right? Well, you've got a bad thing going on. Well, you better go and talk to God about it. It's like, it's like well, let's just talk to God all the time, you know, that's, that's, that's normal. What we do is we just normally talk to God. We talk to God if things are great. Who said God had to be the person that you go to whenever you've got an issue only, right? It's like God is just, He's the centre. He's the centre of, of our worlds. He's not an attachment that we, we, we reach out to. Oh dear, going through a problem, better ask God about it. Well, yes, but not because he's an attachment, because he's in the middle, right? So two things are always going to pull at your kingdom culture in your home. The number one thing is religion. Religion is when you have form and structure without connection and power. So you, you, you know, it's like you establish a bunch of things that must happen probably out of a noble spirit and a good heart, but without the power and the power reduces over time and eventually you're left with rules and religion only and no, for, no, no power and no relationship. This is why God hates religion. God hates religion. I'll say it again, God hates religion because religion is a form of structure without relationship and with no power in it. There's no substance. The Holy Spirit doesn't move in religion. He moves in relationship. All right. The second thing that, that will pull at a kingdom culture is a consumer mentality. Where I actually, I just want all the benefit and I want all the comfort, but I don't want to put any effort in. Mm. Mighty quiet in here. This is, this is one of the big things that we're battling in our society right now. It's this meistic culture. And people, everyone will tell you, ah, oh, me, it's a culture. It is. That's how it is. The whole society is focused on what am I going to get out of it. That's one of the hardest things about marriage. This is not all about me. I realised how super selfish I was the moment I got married. Because now, hang on a minute, it's still kind of about me, isn't it? Not really. Consumer mentality, religious mentality. We're getting religious when it's all about events. We oh, you have to go to church and you have to go to youth camp and you have to go to this. And when, when something bad goes wrong, we have to pray. You have to, I have to spend my, 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 my seven hours in the morning in the Word. I have to pray for at least 15 minutes. It's only 14 minutes and 30 seconds. I can't stop yet. Hang on a minute. Right? That's, that's, that's when we're getting religious, when it's all about fulfilling a bunch of principles and a bunch of rules, but it's, it, it lessens in terms of how much that's about relationship. God's not against rules. He's not against rules. He loves rules because they help to frame the context of perfect, intimate relationship. Right? I'll just wait for you to get that. 
And then we allow this consumer mentality when we prioritise comfort over effort, right? So uh, earlier this year, we got back from holidays and we said to the kids, all the boys, we said, you're going to, oh, get ready for youth camp. You've got to start packing for youth camp. And we got some pretty serious pushback. You know, I'm not going to youth camp. This is stupid. I'm not going there. Don't try and pick you which child I'm talking about. I'm specifically being... But we said, well, you, you, you have to go because I, I paid for it. So I'm real sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> so uh, they all went to youth camp and they all came back and went, that was amazing. That was awesome. That was great. Right? If we give in to comfort, we promote the idea that my immediate wants are more important than my pursuit of God. So what we need to do is think relationally. What's going to help build and enhance relationship in the house? What's going to help build and enhance relationship with God? Make decisions about, around that, right? Around what's going to build relationship. Think relationally. Don't think religiously. Don't think of in a consumeristic way. What's going to contribute to relationship, all right? Number two, to build a kingdom culture in our homes, we need to think about how we empower how to empower. Because I don't just want to create a set of rules or principles or values, right? I don't, that's, that's not the goal. The goal is not just to have a list of values on your wall in your house and go, that's what we subscribe to. And if you don't do it, you're in trouble. That's not the goal. My goal is that I, that Beck and I would have, and that all of us, Yes, let's go for all of us, all of the above, that everybody has a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. That's going to solve a bunch of issues straight away. If everyone's got a real relationship with God, you're moving forwards already. A real, authentic, dynamic, it's got its ups and downs. Some of you are at an up right now, some of you are at a down right now, and that's okay. Don't give up. Keep your pursuit of God because it's not about your comfort, it's about pursuit, all right? So prayer, prayer then is the most powerful tool that you have to shift something, right? Everyone feel the shift in the atmosphere as we're worshipping? All of a sudden you could feel something going, whoa, and you can feel that God's now moving and there's something that's shifting in the atmosphere, and you'll, you'll, you'll learn to identify it, you'll learn to, to lean into it, and you'll learn to contribute to that kind of an atmosphere, right? Uh, that's where you've got to get out of your comfort zone and go to a place where you're actually contributing to the atmosphere. But one of the things that is the most powerful weapon that you have, the most powerful tool that you have is your own prayer life. But your prayer life's got to keep morphing and changing, right? I was getting up at six every morning for a while, and I was just praying in tongues for like half an hour, just walking down, up and down my, and then as I was praying, people, some of you would pop into my mind and I'd pray for you. And then a situation would pop into my mind, I'd pray for that. And I'm just pacing, pacing my back room up and down, going back and forth, you know, kind of edging into the kitchen and looking at all the food and going, not yet. All right, let's keep going, right? That's why I put my office right next to the kitchen. So I had like literally four steps to the fridge. Um, but, but then my kids start getting up earlier and they start interrupting my time 
And I'm walking through, you know, praying, and then all of a sudden a, a child walks out and I go, yeah, just, just hi, hi, awkward, awkward. And then they go back into the room and I keep praying. But now things have shifted, so I've got to shift the way I do it. You've got to keep adapting to what's going on in your world. You know, don't let change in your, in your schedule or change in where you are. You know, if you, some of you guys travel a lot for work. You've got to adapt to what's going on. You might have to pray and connect to God at night. You might need to pray on the train. You might need to pray, all right? Just adapt to, what, to whatever season and whatever, you know, journey and whatever, 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 whatever's is going on. That's what you need to adapt to right then and there. Whatever, whatever's. All right, that's, that's tweetable, not. All right. Yeah. <laughs> right, we, we, we want to just continue to, see, I think part of this is identifying opportunities and inviting those in the household to be a part of it. Identifying an opportunity to encounter God, you know, or to pray for a situation. You know, uh, I can't, uh, like Jed, when he was having a, a tough time with his asthma uh, a couple of years ago, I remember just uh, the whole family gathering around him in the middle, he was sitting on the coffee table like we do at Connect Group. We wipe, wipe the coffee table and someone sits on the coffee table. Well, not the one that we've got at the moment because that would go down badly. Then we have to really pray. Uh, glass isn't good to sit on. Anyway, um, I remember praying for him and the whole family gathering around. I remember um, late last year, I got two wisdom teeth out. And, you know, and some people go, you big wuss. Uh, well, I had, a, I, had, I had some issues that were, became major complications. And six weeks later, I was still in intense pain. And I remember at one stage, I was, whatever was going on in my mouth was so incredibly painful. I remember tears. I remember I was, I'm doubled over in the, in the kitchen like this and I'm just wincing. Through, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get through this intense pain that is like screaming through my head and I'm doubled over in the kitchen like this and all of a sudden I can feel these hands going on my back. And I could feel that the family was gathering around and it was, it was one of the most powerful moments I can remember in, in, in our lives. But all of a sudden, I wasn't alone. All of a sudden, God was there. All of a sudden, my pain started to drop. Like I didn't get miraculously healed in that moment, all right? But I, I noticed a definite increase in the presence of God. I noticed that my family were doing something that seemed a bit more normal now than what it had before. It seemed a bit more like this is what we do now. When there's a crisis, this is just what we do. It's not that we have to be instructed to do something. It's a little bit more normal than what it was. And I think that's the trajectory that you want for our homes, right? Is that we want things of the Spirit, things of God, things of the Word to keep being a little bit more normal than what they used to be. So it's, it's, it's a normal thing for us to pray together. It's a normal thing to have some worship music on, right? But I also don't want to, my, my, my family and us to lose our relatability to the world. You know, I don't just want, I don't just want there to be worship music playing 24-7. You're going to kill all the songs. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever noticed that when you get a new song and you're like, oh God, this is the best, wow. And you just, you thrash that song on Spotify or whatever. And after a week or so, you're like, ah. Oh. 
can't deal with it anymore, right? Don't thrash all your worship music. Get some, get some good stuff going on as well, right? Get, get some other stuff going on. I like to put a bit of Def Leppard on sometimes. You know, I like to rock a bit of Mumford and Sons on the side over here. We can have a bit of, you know, Justin Bieber was a bit of a flavour in our family for about a week, about a week. You know, a bit of Timberlake was, was coming into some of the playlists. You know, we like to watch action movies together. Not with Josie, you know, time for bed, Josie. The boys are like, is she in bed? Is she in bed? Is she in bed? Okay, great. And we watch the movie together, you know, and Josie will be like, what movie can we watch together? And I'll be like, I don't know, Greatest Showman. And then every 10 minutes I'm crying. It's like, it's just... Like, I don't want to lose the, the, I don't just want to create this perpetual glory cloud in my home. What I want to do is make the kingdom normal so that everyone in the home can take the power of the kingdom into their world. I'm not trying to shield and, and, and wrap them all up to be safe from the world. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a level of that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But I wanna actually create, this is normal life with God, with power, with truth. And you can carry that into no matter what you face in life. You can carry the kingdom with you. Empower your I don't know how many times I ask the kids, have you, have you been praying? Not really. How's your relationship with God going? Oh, I'm not trying to guilt them. I'm just trying to redirect them. Because sometimes the problem is not the problem. Sometimes there's a deeper thing. Sometimes there's a, a disconnect. You might find this in your own world. The problem's really the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. And the problem is that you lack power to overcome the problem, right? So we're trying to create a culture that's where God is normal. And failure is okay. I'm running out of time. Failure is fine. But see, religion hates failure, right? Religion hates failure because religion is about perfection. So you've got to be perfect or you get in trouble. Right? No, no, no. God's okay with imperfection. That's why He sent Christ. God's okay if you fail forward. I'm not, I'm not extending this conversation so far to say God's okay with sin, but God's okay with mistakes. All right? Walking on very careful lines right now. A lot of people's theology is coming to the fore. Really? Let's talk this week. Sorry, I'll be in New Zealand. Uh, God grows us through failure. Religion punishes failure. Right? God, God wants to grow you through your bad decisions. Talking to Julius earlier today about my bad car decisions this year. Mmm. Couldn't we spend a long time on that? Allow I'll save you the grief. God's brought us to a place of understanding and freedom and glory because we learn from our mistakes, right? So guide your family. Don't bubble wrap your family too much. 
A little bit's okay. Age-appropriate levels of bubble wrap is all right. I reckon, you know. But God lets us fail because he finds us in our failure. Or maybe we find him, you know. He fo- we, we find God in the midst of our trauma, in the midst of our situation, in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our challenge, in the midst of our problem. That's where we find God. He's always there. He's always waiting. Sometimes we're just hesitant to go there. There's no shame in failing. Just keep leaning into God and learning from it. Because he's a good father. Lastly, here we go. We need to build on the rock. Build on the rock of Christ. Um, love this quote from Proverbs verse, chapter 30, verse 24. If you've got your Bibles, just flick over to chapter 30, verse 24. I'm going to read three, just three verses here today. It says, Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength. You're like, how is this relating to family? Really? Yeah, I'm getting there. It's not even a long bow. Look, trust me. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes, or what's known as a rock badger, they are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. They make their home in the rock. Right, so ants create security by 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 saving up, right? So there's four there's four things that he's talking about. I already just talked about the first two, but look at this later on. It's powerful. Four things on earth are extremely small, yet they are, yet they are wise, right? But these rock badgers, oh my goodness, I should have put a photo up. They look ridiculous. They look like enormous fat hamsters. <laughs> they do. They they look like a cartoon character. They look hilarious. And you can tell that they don't have any power. You can tell. They're just going to sit in there. Well, hope nothing bad happens today. That's kind of what they look like. Look it up later on. Rock badger. You'll be like, <laughs> those guys look crazy, right? They look ridiculous. But yet they are so wise because where they build their colonies in, in Africa right now, they're, they're, that's the only place you can find them, is in the cliff face, in the natural crevices of the rock. They have colonies of like 50, to, I've done my research. They've, done, they've got colonies of like 50 to 80 of these rock badgers and they live together safely in the rock. And this is what we've got to create is uh, a homes that are safe, homes that are secure, Homes that are safe places for people to walk in. Why? Because we're deciding to move to a cliff? No, no, no. Because we're basing, we're, we're centering every single part of our lives around Christ, around Jesus. You know, you and I, we are at our most powerful when we're at our most humble. When we are humble, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. When we get before God and we're like, God, I need you in this situation. I need you in my family. 
Don't wait for a, don't wait for something to happen before you start praying. Just be praying. You know? I love it when there's not a situation I can think of in my family to pray for, because that's when I am praying that situations don't happen, right? I still declare all the same stuff every single morning. I'm not out of religion, but, out, but because I know who I am in Christ and I know my Word and I'm able to declare, there's about 10 things I declare over us every day. And if I don't get my time, you know, in the morning because I'm interrupted or I slept through my alarm, which I just love to sleep. Anyone love to sleep so much, right? Then in the car, I'm like, all right, now it's my time. My time to declare, my time to pray. And to the rock badger, they're bringing this rock that they're going to build their home in, bring safety and security. Makes a place of safety and security because the ones that we're building are centred around Jesus. And so you know the story. Jesus told the parable of the, of the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock and then storms came and the man who built his house on the sand, it crumbled, it was washed away. The man who built his house on the rock stayed stable, secure. The, the storms of life will not wreck your faith and they will not destroy your family when you are centred around Christ. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.